Welcome to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where I share inspiring stories of ordinary people who walk out God's Word and discover radical results along the way. friends, welcome to episode 49, and today's guest is Mary DeMuth, and I'll be introducing Mary in just a minute, but today we're going to be talking about friendship, and I love my friends. I have so many friends, and pretty much if we meet in person, we chat for five minutes, you're going to be my friend for life, and friendship is wonderful. I love just getting to know people. I love encouraging them. I love inspiring them. And I should say, friendship is wonderful until it's not. And I've had those challenges in my life. I've had dear, dear friends that circumstances have pulled us apart or people that um, I built relationships with that as we've gotten deeper into the relationship, I discovered they're not really who I thought they were. Recently, in the last year, I've had a friendship that has really struggled and actually had to call in peacemakers and we had to go through it and resolve some things, which I am so thankful that we did as much as it hurt, as hard as it was to share my feelings. I am so thankful that I took that step with a friend. But have you ever had a friendship that was difficult or maybe even deadly? where it just hurts your soul. And I think sometimes it's good to know that there are those friendships that aren't healthy, that we need to walk away from. And I'll be talking about that with today's guest. So I'm excited to share Mary with you. Well, in Walk It Out today, I have a wonderful friend who I am welcoming back to talk about her new book, and I'll be sharing the title in just a minute, but Mary DeMuth is my guest and my friend, so welcome, Mary. It's just nice to sit down over coffee over the miles with you. I know. I'm actually drinking an energy drink, because oh, you, know, you I have go. all these kids in the house. So. You need some energy, and I don't drink coffee, so I, sh- I don't even know why I said that. I drink tea, so we could okay. sh- have your energy drink, and I'll have tea. Yeah. I already had my tea this morning. I'm more of a tea drinker, too. Yay. I don't drink much coffee. so But the afternoon, I get the little slump, and so energy drink all the way. <laughs> yes, totally. But Mary, for those who may not be familiar with you, would just take a minute and just introduce yourself? Yeah, so I am the mom of three adult kids who are on their own and off the payroll, so that's exciting. And uh, I've got a husband of almost 28 years. We live in the Dallas, Texas area. I am a full-time author and speaker, just like Trisha, and we both are podcasters. And um, I've got a dysfunctional dog and a dysfunctional cat under my roof right now. (laughs) And other than that, uh, yeah, I've just been traveling a lot lately, and I'm just grateful to be home. Yeah, you've been over in Switzerland. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about that real quick? Yeah, so everyone should come. Every year I do a writer's intensive in the hills of Switzerland outside of Geneva. And, you know, I'm just suffering for Jesus there. And uh, (laughs) it's awesome. So I take about, this year was 14. I took 14 writers through a process of how do you write your book? How do you create it? How do you make time for it? How do you publish it? How do you promote it? And uh, yeah, so 
we did it. It was from people from all over the world, which totally made me excited. That is so cool. Yeah, I, I think you need to suffer there with you for sure. You do. Next year, come. <laughs> okay, and, my, and I'll have my daughter come down from the Czech Republic. I'm sure it's like a, I don't know, probably six hour train ride or something. Yeah, she should far. totally do that. That'd be awesome. Oh my goodness, because she teaches writing up there. In oh, the she could Republic. be one of the teachers. That'd be so oh, great. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to think about this. Hmm. <laughs> Good <laughs> my thing we have this funny. podcast. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Um, and you me- you mentioned your podcast too, which I just love it so much. And I, I've told you because I text you, I have your mm-hmm. number. You know? And just like there's sometimes I'm like, how did Mary know what I'm going through? As tears are streaming down my eyes. So just tell us a little bit about that podcast. Yeah, so it's called Pray Every Day. People can find it at prayeveryday.show. And I pray for you, um, apparently only for Tricia, uh, (laughs) just specifically for you, 365 days a year. And it's all based on scripture. So I read a scripture. um, Usually I'm going through an entire book of scripture. Right now we're going through the scriptures of the seven deadly friendships. I'm going to jump back into 1 Timothy in the start of January. And just verse by verse, I read a bit and then I pray based on that scripture and it takes you about five minutes. It's on your Alexa skills. So if you want Alexa to pray for you, you can ask her to by mentioning my name. So yeah, I do that every day. And it's been a really exciting um, podcast to do. Yeah. And I've loved when you're reading through books of the Bible. And then when you brought up the seven deadly friendships, and then you started praying through those scriptures. I I mean, there's something that just applies to everyone as you're praying through these scriptures. But first, before we get into that, tell us a little bit more about your book and then kind of the purpose behind it. Yeah. So the book that we're talking about is The Seven Deadly Friendships and the subtitle, which I never can remember, but I have it in front of me right now. (laughs) It's uh, How to Heal When Painful Relationships Eat Away at Your Joy. And the cover has a bunch of popsicles in various uh, degrees of being eaten. And uh, yeah, so that's basically what the book is about. It's looking at the seven deadly sins, according to Proverbs 6, and equating them with personality types. And I actually name them. And so my apologies ahead of time to anyone in your audience that has the same name, but there's people like uh, Conman Connor and Narcissus Nolan and Predator Page. And these are all connected to those verses because I believe that whenever you have a sin, there's always people involved. There's usually relationships involved. And these seven deadly sins um, definitely reflect relational sins. Yeah, and I'm glad for you use Tempter Trevor instead of Tempter Trisha. <laughs> I was tempted to, <laughs> leading you away into temptation. <laughs> um, so when I started the book, I just was just amazed how you were able to pull these seven friendships out of that verse, and you mentioned Proverbs six sixteen through nineteen, and I'm like, she's right. That is like people that I deal with or have dealt with in my life. What made you come up with that idea? You know, I have to give the Lord credit on that one because initially I had I had pitched this book as a friendship breakup book because I had experienced some friendship breakups and I couldn't find any books that talked about recovery from that. I found divorce recovery books, but not friendship recovery books. And so, um, but it didn't sell that way. And so I went back to the drawing board and this is the idea. I feel like the Lord just dropped in my head. Look at Proverbs 6, look at those verses and tie deadly friendships to the deadly sins. And um, yeah, it really was him planting that idea in my mind. Yeah. So on page 12, you go through the seven um, sins and then what they stand for. Can you just go through those really quick? 
Yeah, so Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 says, There are six things the Lord hates, seven things he detests, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in a family. And so then I have equated them in the exact same order with Narcissist Nolan, someone who's self-absorbed, Unreliable Uma, Fairweather Friend, Predator Page, someone who harms you with her words or actions. Conman Connor, someone who bases your relationship only on economics. Tempter Trevor, someone who tries to lure you away from your values. Faker Fiona, someone who thrives in today's social media environment and you can't really know what she really believes because she blends in. Um, and then Dramatic Drake, someone who uh, thrives on drama and actually needs to create it to feel happy. Yeah, and when you when we were going through these, I'm like, oh my goodness, that is like right in the in the Bible. And I think the first one that came up um, that I just like this, I need to pay attention to this is the dramatic one because I have three teen daughters that are living <laughs> in my house right now. I'm like, what is up with all the drama? Can't we just go through a day without the drama? Um, but you know, so that's the one that stood out to me. Is there one that really stood out to you the most that you found? kind of yourself um, having these types of friendships or um, being like just making a habit of having these type of people as your friend? Yeah. And that's kind of the other impetus for writing the book. So I grew up in a home and this always goes back to your childhood, right? I grew up in a home with um, someone who is very narcissistic and also someone who is predatory. Mm-hmm. And so I found myself later in life continually pursuing either Narcissist Nolan or Predator Page or a combination of both in one person. And I kept looking back thinking, why am I friends with people like this? Why do I keep attracting them? And it was that I was trying to complete an incomplete story. And I was hoping that my family of origin would have loved me unconditionally and kindly And so since that didn't happen, I was trying to find people similar to my family of origin who would love me. And and the the script I was saying was, if I could get a predatory narcissist or a narcissistic predator to love me, I could finally prove that I was lovable to my family of origin. And once I understood that, then I started to pay more attention to the kinds of friendships I was making. And um, it has really been helpful to me to, to look back. So those are the kinds that I tend to attract. Yeah. And I think that's so helpful. Like as you're reading through the book, I think each one of us is going to have something like, I can see that a lot of my friendships are dealing with this. Or in my own home, I mentioned just the drama. Just the mm-hmm. person who sows discord is one way that you talk about it. And, um, you know, we've adopted our kids. And I think that was just, it just always was dramatic. I'm like, why do you have to make such a big deal about little stuff? Because, I mean, I'm a pretty calm person. My husband's a pretty calm person. You know, we just don't make a big deal out of stuff. And I think it was, you talk about going back to their childhood. You know, my kids went into foster care when they're, between the ages of five and nine years old, but that's, you know, at least five years of the drama, the discord, always causing, um, stirring up trouble. And it's, it seems like it's a hard habit to break, um, within my own family, but with friends. So when you see maybe someone who's having one of these traits, I mean, I'm a fixer by nature. Are there ways we can fix these or (laughs) should we, I mean, what, what's your advice for that? Well, yeah, first of all, it is to understand the complexity of it. And so with your girls, I'm thinking that if they grew up in chaos, 
They feel safe in chaos. And so if they don't have chaos, they feel unsafe. And so they're going to try to create it to feel safe. And so having that understanding of, you know, even being able to say, I, I see what you're doing here. (laughs) I know that you only feel safe in unsafe spaces, which makes no sense to me, but I understand it. And so let's try to think of some other ways that we can feel safe other than creating chaos. Um, and having them come up with solutions is super helpful and that that's really good in parenting as well. Uh, but yeah, the main rule out there is that we've all heard is that we can only change ourselves. We can't change someone else, but we certainly can talk to people. And I think that's a lost art in our society today in the world of ghosting and texting a breakup and all of that. We have forgotten social graces. We've forgotten how to actually talk through a situation. We just avoid, 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 and we hide behind our rectangular screens and we don't talk things through. And I think that's one of the goals of the book is to help people realize they need to have conversations. Mm, That is so good because you talk about like we'd rather just hide or run away. And I am very, I'm a fixer, but I'm very prone. Like if I'm thinking if it's not going to be fixed, then I'm just going to unfriend you, block you, move on. And recently there's been some relationships that have, there's been discord there. And I've just felt God saying, no, turn around and press in. Like it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. And I think it really takes um, listening because there's also been people in my life where I felt God saying, you know, walk away, Um, walk away from relationships. So how can we discern when we should turn around and press in and when we should definitely for our own health and our own mental health, for our own heart, just walk away. Yeah. So um, two of the seven friendships, Predator Page and Narcissist Nolan, are the ones where I advise people the most that they may have to walk away. And that doesn't mean that they will have to, but when you have someone who's continually self-absorbed or continually preying upon you, sometimes the only solution is to, to create a very hard boundary there. Um, But with all the others, uh, I would say, yeah, it's that nuance of, and my advice is simply to know the Holy Spirit well and to, to know your Bible well. Read through the book of Proverbs. It talks about what foolish friends are and foolish behavior. It's really insightful. And also to heed what the Lord is telling you um, internally, because sometimes he may say to, to you, hey, I really like you said to you, I want you to press in. I want you to turn back around. I want you to you know, put your big, big girl pants on and talk. Um, other times he may say, I need you. Let, why don't you just pull back from the relationship and see what happens? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times if, if it's a one sided friendship and you're spending all this energy on it, if you step away, you realize there was no friendship in the first place, except that you were keeping it going and you were beating a dead horse. And so the Lord knows he, he is the author of relationship. He himself is in his Trinitarian way, a relationship. And so he knows best on how to counsel us and guide us. And there is, unfortunately, there is no one size fits all like, oh, just stick it through this process or use this grid <laughs> and you'll know. I wish I could say that, but it's not true. Yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, and you talk about this in the book also, I mean, it's not just like, okay, everyone who reads this book is perfect and everyone else out there has the problems. I think sometimes we get look at these um, traits and, and see a little bit of ourselves. And I know when God was asking me to press in, he was pointing out kind of some of my own faults and some mm-hmm. of my own things that I do. So talk a little bit about that. I, uh, 
I didn't write the book so that people could go, oh my goodness, all the people outside of myself are evil and I'm the hero of my own story. So uh, we can, um, at the end of every chapter, we can ask ourselves the question, am I Narcissist Nolan? Am I Tempter Trevor? Am I being this way? And you know, really, we don't grow unless we're able to introspect like that and look at ourselves and ask the Lord to search our hearts and try us and know us, know our anxious thoughts. And so, um, yes, it's important to turn the mirror back onto ourselves and to look in the mirror and say, what am I doing to contribute to the frustration of this friendship? How am I being predatory? How am I being dramatic? And that's been hard for me too. And I, I hate to admit it, but it's true. It's that we're all messy and we've all been one of the seven deadly friends and we have all experienced at least one of them as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I love that you talked about, you know, that verse, search, search me, oh God, and know my heart, test me and know my thoughts. And, you know, I prayed that and then I'm like, oh, why did I pray that? <laughs> like, <laughs> <Darn> really, <it. laughs> I really don't want to know what's in there. Um, but, and I, I think, but God, I mean, he wants us to be whole and he wants us to find that healing inside of us. And so, you know, when we pray that he definitely will point out the areas. And I love how you talk about it, at the end of every chapter, just pausing and saying, okay, is this me? Or in what ways is this me? Because we all tend to be dramatic about some things or um, be self-focused about some things. So I think we can look at this not only about the relationships around us, but also in our own hearts. Exactly. And I think it's important. It's just a, a really good spiritual practice to practice every day is to let God examine you. Okay. So I want to talk about faker Fiona, because, you know, we have so much social media and we have, um, you know, you look at people's Instagram feeds and we feel incomplete and we feel like we have a horrible life compared to everyone else. And my, I know personally my house is always messy because it's filled with kids, but everyone else out there, I'm telling you, Mary, has a perfectly clean house. So. They do. It's unfortunate and stressful. <laughs> I know. And I'm the only one that has this messy house and all these kids and all these problems. But let's talk about that. I think don't you think in our society, um, just with social media, with, I mean, just everything that we kind of do online, it we can tend to, to want to look good. Um, so when does it cross over into just trying to, trying to, you know, put our best fit forward, or we find ourselves becoming faker Fiona? That's a really important question. And I believe that it is something that we do. And we, as you've probably shared in your podcast before, we we present our best and um, we don't present our worst, but we compare our worst to someone else's best and uh, the curated life of online. And I remember this one time where I had been kind of berated by a friend of mine who is a health nut and I'm pretty much a health nut too, but she was kind of criticizing my choices and my food choices. And she had presented herself online particularly as this, you know, amazing, healthy person. And then I had a friend who uh, happened to like talk about, he, he was just saying it in passing and he was saying, yeah, her, uh, her car was just so filthy. And I thought, well, that's weird. I wouldn't have expected that. And he goes, yeah, just littered with Burger King wrappers and McDonald's wrappers. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> what is this about? <laughs> I was so frustrated because I had let her words kind of dig into me. And then I realized she wasn't even living what she was saying. And I think that's the problem of hypocrisy online is that we, we have a curated life and we try to show um, only the best parts. And that's the problem with the faker Fiona. She 
blends in. She, you could have a conversation with her and, and she'd be like, I totally agree with that political opinion you have or that religious opinion or whatever it is. And you have this like fiery talk with her about how you're both in agreement. And then you might see her say the exact opposite opinion on Facebook because she tends to meld in or blend into whatever environment she is in. She's a chameleon. Mm. And that's also why she's called faker Fiona, because you can't really know who she really is because she spent a lot of energy curating her online life. Yeah. You talk about some of the things um, she changes her stories often completely to fit whatever audience she has. She's not self-aware. She cycles through friendships fairly rapidly. Um, she's re- reinvented herself many times. She nearly always has the last word in a conversation um, she is relaxed when she lies. And I think, mm-hmm. I mean, so many of these things, yeah, we, we see it around in the people and they, you know, they think they're being loving. They're just loving everybody and they're, you know, just, uh, not being judgmental. Um, but really it, it is something that, um, we need to be aware of. And I think it's so easy to do when we have so much of our cells on the online world. Exactly. And I I know that um, there was one particular person I'm thinking of, and I'm sure I wrote about her in this book, but in this particular chapter, but she had told me an elaborate story that it was like edge of your seat, like really amazing story. And I was like, well, what happened next? What happened next? And I wanted to know because it was just like out of the box and super crazy. And then she looked at me with this like deadpan look in her eyes. And she said, I just made that entire story up like oh my gosh wow that's frightening (laughs) and here I was like super involved in the story and like what happened next and she's like I just totally made that up I thought okay I need to stop trusting this person because she has no ability she can tell a lie and not shrink back from it and can totally convince you of its validity Hmm, I have a couple kids like that. <laughs> oh my goodness but you know I mean with they've been in foster care and they'll just tell me these stories I'm like totally going along with it and I'm like wait that could not have happened you were eight years old and later I'll find out they're just telling the story but I think it's so hard you know to have people when they're when they when they can lie so easily it's, it's hard to know how to deal with it and how to interact with them and you know if it's a friend of course we can you know, put some distance and walk away. But what if it's a family member when we're dealing with someone that's kind of dealing with some of these things that you talk about in the book? Exactly. Um, And that's something that I've had to work through with family members as well. And that's the question I get a lot actually about this book. What if it's your family member? And my response is, is that, yeah, you don't get to choose your family member, but you do get to choose your boundaries. Mm -hmm. And there was even an instant in my life where I had to create some pretty severe, like no contact type boundaries for several years with someone. And I worried, you know, I thought, well, this feels really unloving, but I had to do it to protect myself and to heal. And I was doing that as a loving gesture because if I kept continually being harmed by the person, Mm -hmm there would never be reconciliation. I would just be damaged beyond belief. And so having that space to heal and to forgive and to do all of that work, then when the person finally did come back, um, weirdly enough, those boundaries I created that were very severe and those truth-telling boundaries did not ruin the relationship. In fact, we're building on a better foundation now. And so I think the fear of, well, if I say no, or if I just say, whenever you lie, I'm going to walk out of the room or whatever it is, you know, that you, what kind of boundary you create. We worry that it's going to ruin relationship, but it doesn't necessarily have to happen. 
it's just a way for you to protect yourself to heal. Mm, that is so good. Okay, so chapter nine, you talk about Jesus, and this is the verse that you have, and I'm like, as soon as I opened this and read this verse, I'm like, oh man, this is turning it back on me. Um, in Luke six twenty seven through 31, it says, to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you, if someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also, if someone demands your coat, Offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Okay, so talk to us, Mary. <laughs> Jesus faced all these things. You talk about, you know, he was mocked, abandoned, exploited, betrayed, misunderstood, maligned, and imprisoned. I mean, all of these things um, our Lord had to face. So how did he handle it? And what example should that be to us? He uh, is the perfect example, obviously. And I also have a chapter in there about Joseph, because I felt like if I just put Jesus in there, people could argue, well, that's Jesus. He can mm. do that. <laughs> but Joseph is a really, of the Old Testament, is a really good character, too, because he was a human being and uh, he faced all those same deadly friendships as Jesus did. But he prevailed in the end through a very long story. But uh, for Jesus, um, yeah, we see it throughout his whole life of this ability to love those who hurt him, to stay in relationship with the one he knew who would betray him, uh, to me still kind of trips me up. It's like, wow, he knew, he knew exactly. He saw he's outside of time. He knew. And, uh, yet he still chose to love. Now that doesn't mean that we, uh, we, we need to balance the scripture with when Jesus says, don't cast your pearl before swine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it's not that I'm saying, okay, everybody just get abused and stay abused. Cause that's not what I'm saying. It's, it's again, to listen to the spirit within you. Sometimes it is right to turn the other cheek. And sometimes it's right to push back and say, no, I'm not going to accept this from you because I too am a child of God. I too am an image bearer of God and you abusing me is not the best thing for his child. And me allowing you to be obnoxious with me is not your best either. So right. um, we have to look at it kind of nuanced. Yeah. And, and, you know, Jesus, when we talk, he talks about forgiveness, but forgiving someone and remaining in a close relationship with them it's different. Like we don't have to forgive and continually like hang out with them all the time. Like forgiveness is for us. It's, you know, giving it to God and turning them over to God. But that doesn't mean we need to stay in that tight relationship. Well, and just look at the life of Jesus. So he did not hang out with Pharisees. He had, you know, these limited interactions with them and said some pretty, you know, harsh things to them, like brood of vipers. That's not very nice. Uh, but he <laughs> he spoke the truth in love to them, but he didn't like walk dusty roads with them. He didn't hang out and go fishing with them. He spent um, his time with the people that he wanted to pour into that would actually listen to what he had to say. And so that's another really good example from the life of Christ of how we should interact with people. Yeah, he did call them out. And I, I think when I was first, I mean, I remember being like in junior high when I saw him like turning over tables and saying those things like you brood of vipers, I'm like, Oh, he's sinning. I thought he's supposed to be sinless, <laughs> but I mean, there is times we need to be angry. Like it is a God honoring anger. And there's times when Jesus spoke the truth and it didn't seem kind, but he was a truth teller. And I think those things helping us to see him in the full light, not that he's just like some very gentle person that just walks around and picks 
daisies. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, and especially with justice issues, because those involve the um, objectification of somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so we should be angry about those things. And when he was encountering the Pharisees, he was seeing them putting on these heavy loads upon people who already were carrying heavy loads. And so he saw the victimization and got angry and did something about it. And and so we should as well. There should be, if we see someone who's being victimized in a difficult friendship or relationship, it's up to us to point that out. And you and I both are in a mastermind group with Jim Rubart, and he has this illustration that we are um, we are salad dressing inside of our bottles, and a lot of times we can't see what's going on because we're not on the outside looking in. We need good relationships to show us what we're experiencing. They need to read the ingredients labels, even though we can't because we're you know mm. busy being dressing. And I think that's a really good principle for relationships as well. When I've had a really difficult relationship. I have chosen to go outside of that relationship to someone who's not related to the person, so it's not gossip, and say, hey, this is what I'm encountering. I can't quite figure out what's going on here. Can you look at it from the outside and tell me if this is worth pursuing or if I should back off or what? And it has been those other relationships that have given me the wisdom I needed to move forward. That is so good because, and I love how you talk about it. it's not gossip because you're not just like, you won't believe what she did. You know, you no. they know the situation, but someone who is outside who can give you some insight. And I did that recently with one of my pastors um, dealing with a an online type of friend and just talking through things. And it, it was so helpful to me kind of to, to see the issue from someone else's point of view. Exactly. Okay. Let's talk about life giving practices? Because at the end of the book, you talk about the seven life giving practices. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I wanted to end uh, the book on a positive note, of course. And, you know, here we've talked about these seven deadly friendships, but I'm always, my books are always about how can you grow in Christ? How can you uh, get closer to Jesus? How can your life count for something? And how can you not be enslaved by what's happened to you in the past? And so these seven principles uh, spell out the word revival. And um, one of them is to uh, verify your expectations. I think a lot of times expectations can really ruin a relationship My pastor has talked about this expectation gap, and the greater the gap, the more um, sadness you have. So if you have really high expectations and the person comes in on the low end of that, that gap is how much sadness you'll have. Mm. If you can make more realistic expectations of your friendships, meaning they're not Jesus to you, they're a friend, and (laughs) you don't expect them to know everything about you, and especially even your spouse, you don't expect them to meet every single one of your needs, then your your sadness in the midst of the, you know, broken expectations is going to be smaller, the more realistic your expectations are. And so that's one of the things that we can pull away from the book to to realize we need to manage those expectations. Absolutely. You also talk about, um, you talked about reviewing your past, which we talked about earlier, but tell us a little bit about embrace new healing. I'm really grateful that Jesus doesn't leave us where we are. Mm-hmm. And I also am a believer that we grow in relationship. Like I don't grow well in isolation. In fact, I shrink and I become more selfish and self-absorbed. 
And so my encouragement is if you're going to be healed, it's going to happen in the context of relationship. Mm -hmm. And so continue to try to find safe people um, who will, you know, be that iron sharpening iron that you need. And, and for me, like when I shared that story at the beginning of the hour of, um, you know, realizing that I was chasing narcissistic predators, I have to heal from that need uh, in order to not chase those people anymore. And so that's why embracing new healing is important. Yeah. And I think so many times it's only through the hard things we realize that, man, we have some really good friends (laughs) that can Mm -hmm. help us in the healing process. And I've had times where I've just been so overwhelmed and I'll have someone step up and just be the friend that I need that can help me to heal that can you know pray with me to just send me a text message just to say that they're thinking about me and all those things remind me that it's not just about the difficult relationships but there's also people out there that I can turn to and and trust and um, that can help me that I wouldn't have discovered those friendships if it wasn't through the hard times that I was going through. Exactly. And I think, you know, hard times are a really good uh, crucible to find out who your friends really are. And also to remember sometimes, and this is something that's really hard for me, sometimes God just has people in your life for a season. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've always been the one who signed the yearbook that said, we'll be friends forever, you know, and, uh, and I meant that. And so whenever a friendship just kind of naturally faded away, I would be super sad thinking something was wrong and keep chasing after it desperately. And yet we have to just let go of that and say, you know what, that person was in my life for this particular season. I'm in a new season now and God's bringing me different relationships. And maybe that person will circle back back in in 10 years. You don't know, but just to hold that loosely and to know that God's in control. Mm, I love that. Okay. We have one more thing I want to talk about because I think this is so important and I found this to be so true in my life. And that's just vocalize your journey. And you talk about, um, you know, when you speak to audiences, you share the simple truth and untold story never heals. Tell us a little bit about that. I just wrote those words today in a book I'm writing. So it's very fresh top of mind. <laughs> uh, it's important. And I found that when you don't tell your story, um, it festers inside of you and then it will come out, maybe not of your mouth, but in your behavior. And so if you've ever been frustrated by your behavior and say, I just don't want to do that. I keep doing the thing I very, I very much do not want to do. You need to look at what story you're suppressing and find a safe person to let that out and into the light of day. And, you know, we know that the enemy of our souls thrives in darkness. He loves to keep us isolated and um, all sorts of scary things happen in our minds when we, uh, when we isolate like that. And so letting it out diffuses his power and gives us the recognition of what we need to do next. Yeah, and I found so many times, um, for I mean, I just remember first sharing some of my story, just my knees were like literally quaking. But getting it out there, it does bring healing to myself. But I found so many people will step forward and they needed to hear my story. Um, and I just you know, know that when God is working in me through my words, there's also someone else that maybe needs God to work in them too. And that we can just offer that hope to someone else. Exactly. And it's, you never know. I believe that we're healed to become healers and we are emancipated to free others. And so there is a so what to everybody's story. And so not only are you healing for your sake and your family's sake and your friend's sake, but you're, you're healing for everybody else's sake. When you share your story, you're giving them permission to share their story. And then it just explodes all over the place and people start 
they stop feeling so alone, which I think is part of the issue that we face in this culture of loneliness. Yeah. And we could point and say, you know, God is there and God can heal you and God can just, uh, you know, just be there for you. And I think that's what, that's what we all need to hear. Well, Mary, I just appreciate you so much. I appreciate you as a friend. I appreciate you as a writer. I told you before we even started recording as I'm listening to the audiobook, I'm like, man, she's just a good writer. <laughs> just the way you describe things. I don't know. It just was really so useful to me. And I just really appreciate that about you. Oh, you're sweet. Thank you so much. Yeah. And for those who um, want to find out more about you and your book, um, where can they find you online? Right. So if they want to find out what, uh, which, which, which of their seven deadly friends they have, they can go to sevendeadlyfriendships.com and there's a free quiz there. And so the only advice I have on that is think of one person while you're taking the quiz, not seven. <laughs> and uh, when you get to the end, it will spit out which friendship you're dealing with and give you some advice about what to do next. And if you want to explore it further, of course, you can pick up the book. And then folks can find me on marriedtobeanth.com and the podcast is at prayeveryday.show. Awesome. And where can they find out more information if they do want to travel to Switzerland with you? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that one is at booklaunchmentor.com. And I have two intensive stateside and uh, in February and July. And then the uh, Switzerland one is sometime in October. We haven't set the 2019 dates yet, but it'll be up on booklaunchmentor.com. Awesome. Well, Mary, thank you so much for being here. I just appreciate you and I appreciate your friendship too. <laughs> Amen to that. I love you so much and I'm so glad we're friends. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, seriously, every time I chat with Mary, I just feel like she just is a fount of wisdom and I am so thankful to call Mary a friend and I'm so thankful that Mary is willing to talk about the hard stuff. And I know that, you know, I'm one of those people that will sometimes like talk around the issue or not really get to it. But I love that Mary just shares the truth and it's the truth of God's word. She digs in deep. She discovers the truth of God's word. She talks about the hard things and she shares it with all of us. And I got so much today out of my conversation with Mary, so much about friendship, so much even about just thinking about how I treat others. Sometimes it's not even on purpose, but I often don't give the attention, love, and care that I need to other people. And talking with Mary today has really made me consider that. And today's Walk It Out verse is Zechariah 7, 9 through 10. This is what the Lord Almighty says, administer true justice, show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. And I love the verse that or the part of the verse that says, "Show mercy and compassion to one another." And you know, there are those like Mary talked about. There are those deadly friendships that we definitely need to see, and we need to, for our own health and our own heart, step away from. But I think also there are those that we need to step toward. And I know Mary agrees that we need to step forward and we need to grow and embrace those friendships. So I'm praying today that you will think of someone that you can show mercy and compassion to. And maybe even as Mary spoke, there's those friendships that you feel like you need to step away from. And I encourage you, highly encourage you to pick up her book and go through it. There's so much more that we weren't able to get through on this conversation. Um, but let me just pray for you. Dear God, I just thank you so much for my friend out there. I know how much hard friendships hurt. 
and I know how hard it is sometimes to step away from those friendships. And I just pray for wisdom for my friends out there that they will see and recognize those relationships and pick up Mary's book and be able to bring healing into maybe hard places. I also pray that when we do have good relationships, that we will show compassion and mercy and really step closer to those friends. I know sometimes we get so busy in life that we forget to really step close to those that are really good friends. And I pray that we will do that today. I thank you so much for the relationships that I've been able to build, just um, being able to connect with listeners and readers. Thank you for those friendships, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning into Walk It Out. I love sharing my friends with you, which is really what I feel so much of the time is me sharing a little bit of my friendships and the people I know and the conversations we have with you as a listener. If you ever have any topic or idea of someone that you want me to to interview, um, a friend that you have, you can email that to hello, H-E-L-L-O, hello, at trishagoyer.com. We would love to hear from you. If there's something meaningful um, that really has impacted you, if you have a question of something that you heard in one of our podcasts, you can just connect with me there. Also, this episode is sponsored by my publisher, David C. Cook. David C. Cook has been just an amazing publisher, and I love that their heart is for missions. They produce wonderful books. Um, Check out their website and see some of the new books that they have coming out, but also know that they support missions around the world, so support them for that too. Well, friends, thank you again for tuning into Walk It Out. Leave a review on iTunes if you have a chance. That just helps more people discover Walk It Out. Also, again, feel free to connect with me and let me know who you want me to talk to next. I'll be looking forward to connecting with you next time on Walk It Out. When I found you